The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. And now, here's your host of Lead Tennessee Radio, Lavoy Knowles. Hello, I'm Lavoy Knowles the Executive Director of the Tennessee Broadband Association. This special episode of Lead Tennessee Radio is being recorded as our state and nation respond to the global pandemic. For our first several episodes, we interviewed the leaders of the Tennessee House and Senate, but now we're shifting our focus to those men and women who are leading the efforts to extend broadband to the unserved areas of our state. Our member companies are on the front lines of connecting the unconnected and their GMs and CEOs are leaders not only at their companies, but also in their communities and in the broadband industry at large. Today, I'm pleased to introduce Jason Shelton. Jason is the general manager of Loretta Telecom in Loretta, Tennessee. The company serves more than 3,000 customers in Lawrence County. Welcome to our podcast, Jason. Thank you, Lavori. Let's begin by talking a little bit about how your operation has been impacted by the pandemic. What kind of adjustments have you had to make to continue serving your customers? Well, first off, we have done similar to what other uh, telecom companies across uh, the country, which is shutting uh, our customer service area, of course. Um, we were already undergoing a office renovation. And so some of our employees were kind of already spread out across different areas as it was. And our customer service area was actually already in a temporary location. and. So our customers were already somewhat used to going to a different area or a different location to pay bills and those sorts of things. And we have a uh, fairly high amount of uh, walk-in traffic. Um, once the pandemic started, of course, we uh, were able to, to take a look at some of our offices and figure out where we could put certain employees and essentially create as much social distancing within our workplace as much as possible uh, without having to... Um, have too many people located in one particular location at a time. Uh, everything that we did, uh, like I said, was to try and create as much distance between others. Uh, and, and we avoided gatherings of any more than two people. When it came to customer installs, uh, we uh, tried to do, in, in the early stages of the pandemic, we, we tried, frankly, to avoid going into a customer's house as much as we could. We we, we weren't really sure, uh, just as I'm sure a lot of people, how uh, rapidly this was going to spread, especially in our area. And so what we did is uh, we did as much outside prep work as we possibly could. And that essentially enabled us to gain some time to figure out how this was going to impact our area. What were some of the best practices uh, that were being done across the industry? Um and, and like I said, it enabled us to build some time so that we were able to, um, like I said, go through, do a lot of preparatory work so that eventually we were able to go inside the homes or, or even in some scenarios, we did temporary installs by handing equipment to, um, to the customer, either through the window or through the door, that sort of thing. So um, we also had, uh, uh, had gone through a billing uh, up, uh, conversion earlier this year. And uh, uh, Smart Hub, uh, which is a, a, a product of NISCs, um, 
that that was huge for us. We we wanted uh, customers to try and take advantage of online pay and and even submitting trouble tickets online as much as possible. Um, that actually helped us out quite a bit, and I'm looking forward to that continuously being a way for us to be able to take care of customers without actually having to deal with, uh, you know, either a, a transition of paper or money or what have you. So there's several things, you know, obviously uh, uh, very similar to what, what other telcos have done. But uh, again, with the remotes and stuff like that, we, that we have, I think that enabled us to be a little bit more unique in how we uh, handled our day-to-day operations. Well, you've had to deal with not only the pandemic, but also a building upgrade and an office renovation. So you've had you had your hands full. <laughs> it, it has been uh, very busy over these past few weeks, not to mention, of course, some of the other projects that we're working on. But yes, it has been uh, there's a lot of logistical things that have gone on behind the scenes that hopefully our customers will never even know about. Because hopefully, like I said, we've done a, a really good job of being able to handle things to where they wouldn't have ever had a reason to know about it. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's where we um, see the benefit. One of the big, many benefits of being a, a, a smaller community-based uh, operation. We, we're there for the community, and we're a part of the community, and we continue to uh, do everything we can to make sure we bring modern services to their area. So we appreciate all your efforts both yours and the companies uh, in Lawrence County. Absolutely. This has also been a particularly active, severe weather season. How has that impacted your service area this year? Well, thank the good Lord. But um, in Lawrence County, we have been extremely blessed. It seems as if the recent or tor- tornadic um, uh, weather activity has either gone to the north or to the south of us. Uh, of course, um, uh, uh, last year, I believe it was, or the year before that, um, we did have some tornadic weather, and it actually did touch our baseball field again this year. So I guess there was one small instance where we were impacted uh, earlier this year by a small tornado. Um, but when you compare the damage to you know what happened earlier in northern the northern part of the state and even down in, in Alabama recently, uh, both late last year, this year, uh, like I said, extremely blessed. Um, it's actually uh, affected to some degree how we are going to build plant uh, going forward. We were looking at some projects that would have required aerial construction. Um, I think this has pretty much changed how we're going to look at building going into the future because even though it's a little bit more expensive now, well, not a little bit more, a lot more expensive now, it could potentially save uh, drastic, um, you know, measure, measures later on down the road, revenue and all those things associated with trying to rebuild after the fact. So, but I really do think that that's, that uh, the storms these days, you know, recently have, are going to uh, change how we do build in the future. Yeah, I could totally understand that. Plus, uh, even though it's more expensive on the front end, you, you might could save some annual operating costs long term as well. Absolutely. In 2019, Loretta received a $1,050,000 grant from the state of Tennessee's Broadband Accessibility Program to serve the St. Joe area of Southern Lawrence County. How is this project progressing? Yeah, so what, we're very happy to announce that we are, uh, that's what some of those other projects are. We, we've actually been in, do, uh, doing some installs uh, with those broadband grant customers over the last month and uh, have plenty more 
uh, here in the near future too. So we have uh, several construction crews working across the area in Lawrence County right now in some areas that I could talk about publicly, but in some others that I can't. But nonetheless, um, the project is going very well. We broke uh, the area up into zones and we've been fortunate to complete uh, out of out of eight zones. We've fortunately been able to complete three of them thus far uh, with the intention of having um, six or three more of those. So six out of eight completed by the end of this quarter. So our intention is to try and have as much, if not all, of the broadband grant construction completed uh, before we head into the fourth quarter this year, because we've got so much else on our plate and plans and what have you. Uh, but that's what our intention is. And every day we're turning up a new neighborhood, we're lighting up other, other streets, other communities. Uh, Liberty Grove is an area uh, that is in uh, was in the broadband grant and it's a significantly sized uh, area. And uh, all of the buried construction on that has been completed. There is a small amount of aerial. And then of course we'll get it spliced uh, and, uh, and get that turned over for customers as well. So like I said, uh, things are moving right along. That's actually something that, um, you know, during the pandemic, our construction has not slowed down. And to be honest with you, if anything, it's grown um, just because we know, you know, obviously this is a prime build season. And uh, of course, we can build all year long in Tennessee. We're fortunate that way. But um, right now, we're definitely uh, hot and heavy with uh, a lot of amount of construction going on. So very happy to report that. That's great. Uh, congratulations on your on your um, progress you're, you're, you're making. And, and of course, you're, you're, everything you're converting is fiber to the home, right? That's absolutely correct. That's the that's the only thing that we believe in, frankly, that uh, to Future-proof network is definitely a topic of our discussion. The only thing that we believe in in future-proofing a network is strictly fiber to the home. Everything right. else, in our opinion, is a Band-Aid. Right. I totally agree. Of course, the grant included your matching dollars as well, which made it a pretty sizable investment in, in, in Lawrence County. In your view, why is it so important for these public-private partnerships to exist to help promote rural broadband in Tennessee? Well, this is one small example that I've been involved in over the course of my career. Prior to here, I was involved in New York State's broadband uh, uh, program. And that pro that program was over $500 million. And when you included uh, the federal component, it rose to $677 million. Um, and it still wasn't enough to completely build out the state of New York. Um, the cost per mile, there's various ways, of course, to be able to calculate a project. But in some of the most rural parts of our nation, and of course, our state and our county, the, the cost to provide some of um, these areas is just, it's, it's crazy how much it costs to be able to build a single connection. And uh, without those public-private partnerships, um, it's frankly not going to happen. I've seen a lot of, I can understand why other alternatives are out there. Um, but again, it's, it's a bandaid that, you know, that, that farm possibly that, that resident that, you know, may want to live off the grid, um, whatever the case may be at some point, there's potentially someone that's going to be in that household. That's going to have a need for broadband connection. And whether or not it's 100 years from now or, you know, next week, 
it's still going to cost a significant amount of money to be able to build to that. And any home that has a school uh, grade child in it is absolutely going to need it in the future. If anything, that this pandemic has shown how our public is going to need to be uh, uh, accessible to education networks that are online. You know, I've seen various components of some states are requiring their, 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 their students to still go through their uh, scholastic studies for grades. Their schools have not closed yet. And uh, they're required to go in and complete their schoolwork, whereas obviously other states have not necessarily mandated that. But if one state's going to do it, I don't think that it's going to be too long before other states pick it up as we move forward through, you know, the future. Ten years from now, I believe that education, of course, healthcare, uh, they're going to look completely different than if, um, when we went to school. I'm going to just say that when we went to school, but um, uh, but yeah, I think. I think they're going to look completely different. And without those public-private partnerships, there's no way that even a small, large carrier is going to serve them, but definitely not a small carrier. And so, um, I mean, I, I, that that is just, um, it's, it's difficult because you're looking at a lot of money that could be used probably to, you know, be served and, and get more bang for its buck, if you will. But it's the only way that it's going to happen. Right. Totally agree. Uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago, you got several projects that you're either starting or going to be uh, starting shortly. So that's not the only project we talked about. It's not the only big news coming out of Lawrence County. Let's talk about your overall fiber program. Um, how much fiber have you deployed in your service area and how much do you expect over the next few years? Well, in 2018, after the Skyline SkyVest acquisition of Loretta Telecom, uh, there was uh, no consumer served fiber. Uh, happily, now we're up to about 15%. Uh, that's across our traditional ILEC territory. Our uh, long term goal, to be honest with you, is to build uh, all of Lawrence County uh, and make it a full gigabit fiber to the home county. Um, you know, we talked about uh, the amount of dollars. Uh, associated with the broadband grant project. We talked about, you know, serving the last mile customer. Uh, I know what those numbers are and, and they're, they're very, very high. And you take one County out of a state um, that has a good mixture of rural and urban areas and are looking at anywhere from 50 to, you know, a hundred million dollar price tag, depending on the type of plant built to be able to serve uh, the, the residents of this County. That's a significant price tag. And so, again, going back, back to the public-private partnerships, um, those types of things are absolutely necessary because, again, a small telco, $75 million, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a really big number. And um, so, uh, our, again, I, that's what our goal is, though. Um, I, I don't necessarily – I'm not able to, to report on anything just yet, but – who knows what's in our future and the types of partnerships that we may be able to announce or, or um, whether or not we decide to, to just, you know, should uh, stage it out over the course of the next several years. Uh, but needless to say, that's where our intention is. Um, we do. I, I, so we have two types of, of fiber projects currently uh, going on. We have a broadband grant project and a non-broadband grant project. And so, uh, obviously, our broadband grant project is our primary priority. 
but we are also building non-grant uh, uh, fiber as well. One particular community is, has uh, two aerial construction crews um, working in it right now. Uh, again, I'm not ready to uh, to list it out just yet um, because there is some competition potentially up in that area. But needless to say, uh, it will be lit uh, hopefully here within the next few weeks, and then we'll be rolling in rolling into um, another uh, uh, significant area in Lawrence County. We were able to go out a couple of years ago and acquire the funding that we would need in order to be able to have a, a, a very lengthy and sustainable fiber broadband uh, build out over the course of Lawrence County. Uh, it, it doesn't equal the full amount, of course, of what it will take, but it's a significant um, financial investment into the county and one that I hope that, frankly, our customers that have had to um, somewhat suffer on a subpar copper network for the past several years uh, will come to appreciate. And so, um, uh, so yeah, lot, lots going on there. Very happy, like I said, with our overall broadband grant project, but uh, very happy too to be able to continue the advancement of this fiber broadband network that's so critical. Well, I'd like to commend uh, the work that you and um, Loretta Telecom and your your parent company, which we'll talk about just in a second, uh, Sky Best. Uh, but um, uh, it, it's difficult to go from zero to anything in a short term amount of term uh, amount of time. And a year and a half, you've gone fifteen percent. That's that's phenomenal. And and you've got plans to do other areas as well. So congratulations on your efforts so far. Thank you. Uh, if there's one thing that I believe Lawrence County and even the state of Tennessee represents, it's opportunity. And there's a tremendous amount of opportunity, not only here locally, but across the, the state level. I'm very happy to be a part of it. Uh, it just goes to show the nature of, uh, frankly, our mindset as a company. Uh, we're going to be very aggressive. We know that we've got some challenges. We're not perfect, but we're going to do whatever the heck that we can to try and fix it. That's great. That's great. Let's take a minute to update our listeners on on Skyline Membership Corporation, a cooperative based in North Carolina that serves a portion of East Tennessee. Skyline purchased Loretta in 2018 through its holding company, SkyBest. Well, Skyline and SkyBest have always been a very progressive company and continue to do so. Uh, tell us a little bit about Skyline's efforts to, to bring broadband to the residents of East Tennessee and their other customers as too in North Carolina as well. Yeah. So the, again, uh, I'm, there there are several projects, some that that uh, haven't come to fruition, uh, but always looking for that next opportunity. I don't uh, really think that any are currently on the table, um, but I can tell you that uh, when you, you mentioned it a while ago and I said it as well, uh, we're going to be very aggressive in whatever we can do. And if there's an opportunity that we can take a look at it, whether or not it's via partnership or uh, potentially even through, uh, you know, some of the state or federal opportunities, we're always going to be looking at what we can do to continue to advance, uh, you know, our fiber, our fiber goals of, you know, it'd be, be nice to be able to call ourselves a gig nation. Right. Right. Um, but nonetheless, um, Currently, there isn't uh, anything on the table there, uh, but it but that that can change obviously overnight. So, uh, just uh, always on the lookout. Right, right. Uh, let's like to circle back just for a minute and talk about the crisis we find ourselves in today. 
both as a state and a nation. It's a multifaceted crisis. It's a healthcare crisis first and foremost, but it's also an education crisis, a jobs crisis, and a financial crisis. Not like anything I can ever remember in my lifetime. Uh, what does it, that do to the urgency to connect all Tennesseans to a reliable broadband network in your view? Well, if anything, it further cements the fact that this is a uh, uh, an issue that needs to be corrected across our country and uh, in the rural areas. And, and when I say rural, I'm even talking about, you know, cities that are, you know, 20,000 population and, or less. Um, the, the status quo of a 20 meg circuit is quickly going by the wayside. When you think about, you know, a family these that that's been at their house for the last what month and a half now, somebody's on Netflix, somebody's on Facebook or Instagram, and a kid's you know doing a video game system, you know, there that is quickly eating up the demand on that pipe. Um, and I don't want to call it a high speed pipe because, frankly, anything less than two fifty these days is not high speed in my opinion. Nonetheless. Um, it's only going to get worse because if you think about an iPhone, when an iPhone first came out, I believe it might have been like 32 gigabits. And now they're like 256 gig. The reason obviously for that is, is because the the app size and, and the whatever it was that you were using on that iPhone has just continued to grow. The, the demands on the graphics continue to grow. Well, just like Netflix with a 4K signal, the minimum signal or the, the for, on a 4K uh, stream is uh, over 20 meg. Well, again, if three people are watching TV and what will eventually future or more than likely be a, uh, a streaming television environment only, three people, that's, a, that's 75 meg right there. Uh, that's, that doesn't leave room for Facebooking or Instagram or whatnot. Um, it is. It absolutely places a demand, and if anything, like I said, it should further cement it and hopefully help progress it. I, I had mentioned earlier that uh, I do believe the healthcare system, as well as the education uh, system, is go is going to look a lot different, and I absolutely believe that. Um, kids were sent home with Chromebooks and iPads and all different sorts of electronics, uh, but if they didn't have a connection at home, they were useless. And I think that that is going to continue to help drive the uh, deployment of, uh, frankly, uh, what will hopefully be uh, fiber to the home. Um, but I know in some areas it, it, it may not necessarily be, be able to be uh, done that way. So along with 5G, of course, we know wireless still needs wires, okay, to quote Shirley Bloomfield uh, and a few others. But um, 5G is not necessarily going to be able to resolve the issues in a rural environment either. And I know there's been some promises made and whatnot, but you still got to be able to get that fiber connection to whatever is going to be able to operate that network. And if fiber doesn't exist in some of our neighborhoods as it is right now to serve those, how are we going to build it to 5G antennas? It still has to be done. And so, like I say, I, I, I believe it will help advance it. And frankly, that would be the goal because until uh, we can build out this nation at 100 percent where, you know, it's always going to be an issue. All very good points, Jason. Uh, and thank you, Jason. I hope you've enjoyed the, um, the session today. My guest has been Jason Shelton, the general manager of Loretta Telecom. And you've been listening to Lead Tennessee Radio, produced by the Tennessee Broadband Association, cooperative and independent companies. 
connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. Thank you for listening.